What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dominic Shirosky, and there is a lot we need to get into. A lot we need to get into. Didn't have an episode Friday, was a little bit busy, had some things going on, but um, we are back, we are back, we are back, we are back, and a lot has happened, a lot has happened But the biggest news, obviously, that we have to start with in the NFL, one of the key free agent signings have been made, and that is the former Houston Texan himself, J.J. Watt. Mr. Houston is what some people call him. Um, But the big news here was uh, J.J. surprised everybody. You know, when, when it was announced that... Houston and JJ Watt were agreeing to part ways, right? Um, everyone immediately thought, okay, he's made money. He's got his legacy. You know, he's won multiple defensive player of the year awards. He's been in MVP conversations. He's one of the most well-respected and loved guys in the NFL. The one thing that he doesn't really have is a Super Bowl. He's never been to the Super Bowl. Been to the playoffs a couple times. Teams never really had enough to get over the hump. So now everyone was like, all right, he's definitely going to go ring chase. You know, he's going to go and he's maybe he's going to take a veteran minimum deal and go somewhere, you know, like Kansas City. Or maybe he'll try and find a way to go to Tampa Bay. Or maybe he ends up in Los Angeles. Maybe he goes back home to Green Bay, you know. He and the Watts are from Wisconsin in that area. Maybe he goes, plays with Aaron Rodgers. He goes up there, plays for his home team. Oh, maybe, you know, he's got his brother TJ Watt and Derek Watt. They're both in Pittsburgh. Maybe he comes, Ben Roethlisberger comes back for another year. Maybe this team with an even better defense now that J.J. Watt's there, that leadership. Maybe he goes there. The Steelers can maybe make a run. Uh, All that stuff. Hell, there was Buffalo Bills. They could use him on defense, his leadership give them a, a, a presence to come off the edge and get after the quarterback, which is something they didn't really have last year. There were all these places, right? All of these places, even and even the Browns. You know, there were some people who were like, you know, you know, the Browns can pay him a little bit more money than some of these other teams are willing to do. He can pair him up with Miles Garrett. You know, the Browns on the upswing now. Maybe he wants to go and be a part of that. All of that stuff, right? None of it mattered. <laughs> None of it mattered. It was all smoke. Apparently, J.J. Watt, in the most J.J. Watt way, by, by like, in the most J.J. Watt manner, by the way, um, put out and basically announced where he was going. Picture him powerlifting with an Arizona Cardinals shirt on. And the tweet just said, source me. And now, J.J. Watt is heading to Arizona to play with the Cardinals. On a two-year, $31 million deal, $23 million guaranteed. And first things first, congrats to J.J. Watt, man. Hand claps for J.J. Watt. That is... And I saw some people killing him for this move because everyone's like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Why would he go to Arizona? And I have to be honest with you, I kind of disagree. I like this move for him. 
I like this move for him. I like this move for Arizona. The Cardinals are in desperate need of defensive help, right? They're in desperate need of defensive help. Not only do you get J.J. Watt the defensive presence because he's still an absolute stud, but you're also getting someone who is a fantastic leader. So I love this move for a couple reasons. Like I said, Arizona, you get a great defensive player. You get a great leader. For a team that is young, you know, you have Cliff Kingsbury, who is only in his third year in the NFL. You know, like he was a college coach before he got to the NFL. He kind of got this job out of nowhere and things have kind of worked out for him. But Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he's he's young. Kyler Murray is young. You know, it's, 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 it's the, the leadership on this team is very young. Buda Baker is still a fairly young player in this league, right? J.J. Watt comes in and he brings a level of maturity and a level of professionalism and just like I said, overall leadership to this Arizona team, which is great for them. Now, they still have a ton of holes to fix. They need to get a better offensive line. Um, That defense definitely needs to get better. Hopefully the Cardinals, they started using him in the second half of the season, really. Uh, Hopefully they really kind of remember that Isaiah Simmons is extremely versatile and can play damn near anywhere. Like if you want him to line up at corner, he can do that. You want him to be a safety? Yeah, that's fine. You want him to be a nickel linebacker? That's cool. You want him to like rush off the edge? He can do that too. Like he's kind of a do-everything player. Um. So hopefully they can really start utilizing him and getting the most out of him because I think he can be an absolute force just because of his versatility. But they've got some things to fix, right? Now, on the J.J. Watt side, why is this such a good deal? What makes sense for J.J. Watt? And first things first, it's a good deal because he's getting $31 million for the next two years and $23 million of it is guaranteed. <laughs> You know, like, and that was, I think that's some, what some people are going to look at is just like, oh, so he's not going to ring chase. He wants to just cash in as much as possible before he retires, which, hey, if that is what JJ wants to do, there is nothing wrong with that. Get your money. Um, However, however, I think people are being a little too dismissive of Arizona. Um, And here's why. Maybe, and again, I drank the Kool-Aid on Arizona last year. I did. And they had moments where they looked like the team I thought they would be. And then, like, it was still a consistency problem with this team. They have very high highs and they have very low lows. Um, it's a roller coaster. But I'm big on Arizona. I still am. I believe another year of maturity, another year of experience only makes this team better. Um, and for me, I'm a I'm someone who believes that Arizona Arizona should be in the playoffs next year, even without the JJ Watt signing. Like even ta- like taking JJ Watt out of the equation, Arizona is a team that should make the playoffs next year. Hell, they should have been in the playoffs this year. It was just that they kind of had a really bad stretch at the end of the season. Kyler Murray bangs up his knee a little bit. He can't move around the way he he he's used to. Uh, you know, he can't really use his legs as much, which is one of the things that make him so dynamic. Um, that offense struggled a little bit, and then they lost to backup quarterbacks in consecutive weeks. So, had you know, like they were in a position where all they had to do was win like two games and they would have controlled their destiny um, and would have been in the playoffs. They lost those games, they ended up missing. Now, fast forward. 
They're going to make some moves in free agency. Patrick Peterson may or may not leave. We'll see what happens there. Maybe he retires. Maybe they cut him. We'll see what happens. Um, But they have moves to make free agency, the draft, and things like that. But I believe this Cardinals team can compete. And I think that for J.J. Watt, the Arizona Cardinals were a perfect blend of things that he kind of wanted. First thing that he wants, I want to play for a team that's going to be playing meaningful football. I think the Arizona Cardinals will be doing that. I think the Cardinals are going to be a team that, again, like I said, should make the playoffs this year. And if they make it into the playoffs, depending on how that defense looks, this offense is lethal. This offense is scary. You have Kyler Murray. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You still have Larry Fitzgerald. You have Christian Kirk. You have Kenyon Drake, uh, Chase Edmonds. Like, There's a lot of weapons on this team, a lot of weapons. If they can get into the playoffs, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be a team that a lot of teams – they're going to be someone that a lot of teams don't want to face, especially if they have to play them in the first round. Um. So it gives J.J. Watt a chance to be a part of a team that's going to be playing meaningful football, gives him a chance to kind of be a part of a growing organization, you know, something that's kind of on the rise um, as opposed to Houston, which is just an absolute, they're just, right? Like they're, they're just absolutely tanking. It's a dumpster fire in Houston right now. But so you have meaningful football that you're probably going to be playing get to be a part of a growing organization and you get to make a hell of a lot of money. Like that's the thing too. Like everyone was thinking, you know, like everyone was talking about, Oh, maybe JJ will take, you know, maybe he'll come and and play for like $3 million somewhere or maybe and all that. But also even bigger than that is this is only a two year deal. And I mean, I know when I see JJ Watt, I think he definitely has three, four years left. Like I think, I think this two-year deal is a perfect blend of, like I said, wanting to be on a team that's going to be playing good and playing meaningful football, possibly make the playoffs, have a chance at winning a Super Bowl, and getting a good amount of money. And it's only two years. So at the end of this two-year deal, maybe he goes and then he does the, maybe I'll go sign with Kansas City for a veteran minimum deal, or maybe then I'll go to Pittsburgh, or maybe then I'll go... Uh, to Green Bay, like because the two-year deal gives him flexibility um, to kind of work his way out of it. Or hell, I'm pretty sure there's probably like this. There's probably an option in the second year. So really, most of his money is probably going to be guaranteed in the first year and things like that. But all in all, a really good move for JJ Watt. Really good move for Arizona. And I think this is a uh, this is pretty big. I like it. I like this move. Um, it's not the move that anyone really expected, um, unless you're Jay Glazer, but <laughs> let me not do that to Jay. Okay. You know what? So for those of you who may not know about like all of the other sports, uh, pundits and people, you know, reporters and, and, you know, especially the guys that are in like the breaking news world, like Jay Glazer is a part of that. Um, you know, he's like in there with Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and Adrian Wojnarowski and stuff like that. Right. Um, Jay Glazer is one of those guys, but Jay Glazer, (laughs) who is really good at his job, by the way, like this is a tangent, but Jay Glazer, who, like I said, is really good at his job. He just has this, I, Jay just has this kind of thing where, 
he makes it so easy to just bury him sometimes. Like, he makes it so easy to get jokes off. Like, Jay Glazer hadn't spoken a word about the Arizona Cardinals during this entire J.J. Watt fiasco. And then, like, (laughs) 20 minutes after the news breaks that J.J. Watt is going to Arizona, he goes and he tweets, he was like, uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals were in the thick of it the whole time. That's how he talks, for those of you who don't know. He, he has a real raspy kind of what The Arizona Cardinals were in the thick of it the whole time. And it's just like, well, if you knew that, Jay, then why didn't you say something three days ago? <laughs> like, it was just a very funny fiasco seeing Jake Laser. But shout out to Jake Laser. He's really good at his job. Uh, way more successful than I am right now. I'm coming for you, Jay. But uh, shouts out to Jake Laser. But that was just very funny to see. <laughs> um... Moving on from the J.J. Watt news, though, I am interested to see how that all plays out. I, I will be. I watched Arizona with a pretty close eye last year. I'm going to be watching even closer this year. Um, you know, and it, like I mean, it seems like the Arizona Cardinals are just trying to build back up the old Houston Texans team. Hell, we got J.J. Watt now. We got DeAndre Hopkins. Hell, maybe we try and make a trade for Deshaun Watson. We'll see. But um, moving on from that, moving on from that, because there's. J.J. Watt was a big piece, you know, this offseason. He was a big piece of the the free agency news, offseason news, one of the moves and things like that, right? There is an even bigger piece that could be on the move, and this one is absolutely insane to me. Here's why, okay, and this whole situation is so weird. So, Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, who is... I mean, super well-known for being the most likable, nicest, kind, mild-mannered, genuine person. Like, he's, like, just really, like, you know, selfless, um, aware of his surroundings, thankful, all of that stuff. Who we've never heard Russell Wilson really say a bad thing about anybody, basically. Um... News came out about a week ago, you know, that Russell Wilson was a little upset with the way that the offense was going. He was mad that, you know, they tried to take the ball out of his hands, started running the ball. That's one of the reasons why you saw that Seattle offense stop putting up 35 points a game um, halfway through the season. You know, like the Seahawks started off. I mean, they were they were probably the best offense in the league for the first six, seven, eight weeks of the season. And then. The second half of the season, things changed. That offense kind of sputtered, and it got a little, you know, it had a, it had a hitch in its giddy-up, basically. Um, and that was a big part of that was because, you know, the offense was trying to change because, you know, they wanted to protect Russell Wilson, um, you know, because this offensive line hasn't been necessarily great. They tried to run the ball more and things like that, and the offense kind of slowed down a bit. Um, and Russ voiced his frustrations about that and, all of these other things, and then reports started coming out that he stormed out of a meeting after, uh, you know, he kind of spoke to Pete Carroll and about, you know, trying to maybe some of the moves we can make in free agency or some of the guys we can get or some of the schemes that we can run. Um, And so all of that led to, is Seattle going to trade Russell Wilson? You know, like that, that kind of became a thing. And I immediately dismissed it because I was like, there's no way in hell you trade Russell Wilson. I've made this point many, 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 many times before. Um, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson 
is one of two guys in the NFL who I feel like take a little bit of um who might feel a little disrespected. You know, they take a little bit of umbrage to everyone just writing off and saying, oh, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I feel like Russell Wilson and the other is Aaron Rodgers. I feel like those are the only two who sit back and being like, he's better than me? Really? And those two are the only individuals that have a legitimate case at it. Like, I've said it before on here, you can ma- I could make a legitimate case that Russell Wilson actually is the best quarterback in the NFL. But I'm not going to do it today. I'm going to keep teasing that. And will I ever actually break that down as to why that might be the case? Maybe, maybe not. But that's why you got to keep listening. Um... Anywho, Russell Wilson. So, I like I said, I immediately just dismissed this news. I was like, man, listen, they're not trading Russell Wilson. All right. <laughs> He's one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. He is Mr. Seattle at this point. I mean, name me one Seattle Seahawk who's more important than Russell Wilson in their entire franchise's history. You can't. Like, Russell Wilson is the best player this franchise has ever had. And he's everything that you want in a quarterback. He's kind, smart, passionate, family man, good image, um, has a pretty good personality, pretty funny. Is he a little cheesy? A little bit. But we he's cheesy in a good way. Like, we like it. Um, marketable, all of that stuff. Right, like he's he's everything that you want. Supremely talented, great passer, clutch, uh, a champion. Like he has, he checks every single box and then some. So I was like, I'm not putting any stock into this. And then something very weird happened. Russell Wilson's agent, part of the Team Three, is what they call themselves. Um, Russell Wilson's agent basically went and spoke to Adam Schefter, and then Adam Schefter tweeted out and said, Russell Wilson hasn't asked for a trade, but if Seattle were to trade him, he would want to either go to Chicago, Dallas, New Orleans, or Las Vegas. And I was like, that's a really strange statement i haven't asked for a trade but if i were to ask for one or if you all are thinking about trading me here are my preferred destinations i i mean i mean what the hell russ (laughs) like what is what is mr wilson what is going on here and like Because, like I said, it's just, it's such a weird statement. He hasn't asked for a trade. But if he were, or if you all were to think about trading me, these are the teams I want to go to. First things first, super happy to hear that Chicago is one of Russell Wilson's preferred destinations, okay? Love it for my city. Bears, we need a quarterback, for the love of God. And Russell Wilson would immediately become the greatest quarterback in Chicago Bear history. Um, okay, sorry, another tangent. I was watching, I think it was Get Up, and there's a segment where they have the guy, one of their, uh, one of their producers on the show, his name is Hembo. Um, he has this thing where Hembo goes and he kind of goes against some of the guests that come on and he like will ask a trivia question. 
Do you all know the Bears are the only franchise in NFL history to never have a quarterback pass for more than 4,000 yards in a season? The Bears, who have been around since like the 50s, have never had a quarterback throw for over 4,000 yards in a single season. Not when Jay Cutler was there, not with Sid Luckman way back in the day, not with uh, Jim McMahon, like. I saw that and I couldn't believe it. I was like, there's no way. And sure enough, never have had a quarterback throw for over 4,000 yards in a single season. If we get Russell Wilson, that will happen, by the way. But, anywho, the Chicago Bears are not the most interesting team, though, on that list. The most interesting team, there's two. There's New Orleans, and then, of course, Dallas. Let's talk about New Orleans first. So, why is New Orleans import, important? Why are they interesting? Well, first things first, the big thing with the Saints right now, Drew Brees has not technically retired. You know, everyone's reporting, oh, this was going to be Drew's last year. He's going to retire. He's going to retire. But Drew Brees hasn't said a damn thing about this at all, right? Like, Drew has been pretty hush-hush on whether or not he's going to retire. So it's a weird situation because you also have, like, I feel bad for the guys that are in New Orleans right now, like the the, the players, because they kind of have to straddle the line. Because, like I said, until Drew comes out and officially announces his retirement, the guys can't really say who they want, like, or, like, really give a good positive narrative on either quarterback, whether they want to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Jameis Winston is our guy. Well, if they say that, and it's like, well, Drew Brees hasn't retired, so do you not like Drew? Do you want Drew back? Are you saying Jameis Winston is your guy? Like, are you are you all ready to move on from Drew Brees? Is that what you're saying? But then on the flip side, if you're like, oh, yeah, we want Drew Brees back. Um, we'd love to have him back. We want him to come back. Hope he doesn't retire. It's like, oh, so you don't believe in Jameis Winston, right? Like, that's how the media is going to spin it because it's – and I'm saying the media like I'm not a part of it. That's how the media is, though. Like, we spin stuff. We find things to talk about. It is what it is. Um, but I think it's a really tough situation. Um, but New Orleans, it's like Drew Brees, again, like I said, has not said anything about retiring. He's over here putting out workout videos, talking about he's breaking records at whatever gym or whatever he's working at, whatever friends he's working with or whatever. But... It's, it's so interesting. It's so interesting with New Orleans because we know what this team would be. You give Russell Wilson, Sean Payton as his offensive coordinator with Michael Thomas on one side, Alvin Kamara to hand the ball off to. Maybe they re-sign Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe they get that deal done. Maybe they go out if they don't uh, keep Emmanuel Sanders around. Maybe they go out, sign, you know, Chris Godwin, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster, like somebody, right? Either way, if you give Russell Wilson this team with that offensive mind, an offensive mind that is infinitely better than any of the ones he's dealt with in Seattle. And there's no, I was going to say this is no disrespect, but it actually is. Um, They sucked in the offensive coordinator's room. Every single offensive coordinator Russ has had in Seattle has been absolutely terrible. Like, at, like I mean, genuinely, like, garbage. Um, and if you want to really know that, 
I was speaking with uh, my colleague Jeff Barnes from Nets and Bolt Sports, and I remember he and I were having a conversation about the Seattle offense, and he asked a very simple question. He said, what type of offense do the Seattle Seahawks run? And for the life of me, I couldn't come up with it. I was like, they're not really a spread offense. They're not West Coast. They're not like an exclusively shotgun team. They don't, they're not a power run team. They don't. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, well, I don't really know. And he said, exactly. Because you know why? There is no real offensive scheme. It's just get the ball in Russ's hands and let's hope he does something magical. And that's what Russ has had to do for the majority of his career in Seattle. Um, Him in New Orleans, obviously, that goes out of the window. You get Sean Payton. It would be miraculous the things that Sean Payton would do with Russell Wilson. You give Russell Wilson this team, especially with that defense being as good as it is, they might win three straight Super Bowls. Like, seriously, if if that trade happens, boy, goodness gracious. Now, the only problem there is New Orleans has some cap issues. They would have to work some things out. Not sure how all that would play, but it's a possibility, right? The other team is Dallas. And the reason it's interesting with Dallas is because of this current Dak Prescott situation. Um, Dak seems like Dak is on his way to signing another franchise tag. Um, We only have about, what, six days left, I believe, for this franchise tag window, or March 9th. It was either March 8th or March 9th. I can't remember off the top of my head. But the franchise tag window is coming to a close soon, which means we're going to figure out what the plan is in Dallas for Dak Prescott very soon. So Dak Prescott, right? We all, so I don't even really need to go into deep, <laughs> uh, break this down super deep. We pretty much all kind of know what's happened with Dak Prescott in Dallas. Uh, I drafted him in like the fourth round. He ends up coming in, playing well, basically retires Tony Romo, um, plays pretty good. Team around him is really good. The team has some success, wins a playoff game. Um, And then they have an opportunity to extend him to a longer contract two years ago. They choose not to do it. Then they had an opportunity to do it last year. They chose not to do it. Franchise tagged him. Now it's looking like he's going to get franchise tagged again. And it really seems like all of this just has to come from the simple fact that I feel like the Dallas Cowboys just don't really know if they want to pay Dak Prescott the type of money that he may be asking or the type of money that the market dictates, you know, and that's kind of the thing that sucks um, for NFL teams. Like as an organization is just that the market is the market and things just kind of dictate that if you are one of the better guys at your position, when your contract is up, when it's your time to get paid, you're probably going to be the highest paid or you're probably going to reset the market and things like that. And it, it sucks for teams. I mean, obviously it's great for players, but it sucks for teams. Um, and I just think that the Dallas Cowboys have looked at what happened with the Eagles and have looked at what happened with the Rams who both paid their guys, uh, got them those contracts and paid them a huge amounts of money. And now neither one of them are with the original team that drafted them. So I think that Dallas 
is kind of they're 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 biding their time now they can't do it for much longer that's why this russell wilson situation is super interesting because it's like well if we can get russell wilson we can just do a sign and trade you know we can maybe give him that extension and then trade him i mean if you if you're dallas and yeah you got some things you got to fix with this team right like obviously that defense needs to get better but if you're dallas and you can get, say, Russell Wilson on this team. And then on the flip side, if you're Seattle, if you can get, you lose Russell Wilson, but hey, Dak Prescott is not a bad consolation prize for Russell Wilson. Also, you probably get three first-round picks. I mean, I would have to assume that Russell Wilson is going to, like, to get Russell Wilson out of Seattle, it's going to take at minimum three first-round picks, at minimum. So... It all makes sense, right? Like it, it, it makes sense for both sides, kind of. Well, not so much for Seattle because Pete Carroll is like seventy-two years old. He doesn't really want to be a part of a rebuild. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to start over with a new quarterback and all that other stuff. So, like, it doesn't really make sense for Seattle to trade Russell Wilson just because he's too good. Plain and simple, like Russell Wilson is just too good to trade to me, in my opinion. Like, unless, like, it would take a Herschel Walker type trade. Like, you would have to be giving up. So so much that like you just again it has to be like make me an offer i can't refuse if i'm seattle and you know dallas really wants him and they come and say we'll give you three first round picks and dak prescott i don't i still think i can refuse that because i can sit back and say dak prescott is nowhere near as good as russell wilson and as far as i'm concerned draft picks are fool's gold they sound nice but you have to pick well you have to use those picks wisely um, and if you don't, they end up at, like bums and they were worthless. So it's an interesting situation. I say all this to say, I don't think Russell Wilson will be traded, by the way. <laughs> um, I just don't, I just don't, I don't see Seattle giving up Russ. Um, not at all. Like it, it just doesn't make sense to me, in my opinion. There's no way they let him go but it's something to keep our eye on because like i said that that whole point that was made you know about he hasn't officially asked for a trade but if he were to or if you all were considering trading him these are the places he would want to go it's an interesting situation interesting setup but that's really all the big nfl news right now that leads us to the nba and the NBA, man, is getting very, very interesting. So first things first, the big news that came from the NBA. And this this news kind of got uh, overshadowed by the J.J. Watt signing. You know, like that kind of really became the headlines and all this other stuff. Um, and that led to, you know, this kind of getting looked past. But the Atlanta Hawks, who started off the season, I mean, on fire. Started off the season really well. Um, and kind of came to a screeching halt. Um, really, just these last couple games, they've really struggled. Um, really, like their last 11 games, they've struggled. They, Yeah, I was going to say they've lost 11 of their past 15 after they started off 10 and 9. Um, it's been a rough go. It's been a very rough go. Uh, for the Hawks these last, you know, really month or so. But 
the Hawks made it official and went ahead and fired their head coach, Lloyd Pierce. Now, I'm okay with them firing uh, Pierce. I want to say that. I'm okay with them firing him. The way that they did it, pretty bogus. He basically got fired while he was coaching the team. Like They were practicing down in Miami when they got the news that, oh yeah, Pierce has been fired. So that's a little bogus, but that's how these teams work, and that's, I guess, the business of sports. It's disgusting, but it's just the way things are kind of at the moment. But here's why I'm not mad. Because this is a great opportunity for another head coach, another African-American head coach, actually, who was wrongfully um, fired from his previous head coaching position. And that is Nate McMillan. Um, Nate McMillan, you all know from listening to the podcast, I've gone up for Nate McMillan a couple of times. I thought Nate McMillan was incredible. Um, as a head coach in Indiana, I mean, every time someone went to Indiana, it just felt like they got better. Like Victor Oladipo, he was struggling over there in Oklahoma City where he got drafted. He gets, he, you know, he leaves there. He goes to Indiana and plays for the Pacers and he becomes, you know, a star. You know, like he becomes an all-star. He has great, yeah, like just great seasons, has the best seasons of his career there. Um, same thing with like Bogdanovich and or, uh Brogdon and just so many guys, right? Like have gone there. DeMontis Sabonis, what he's come into. Uh, Miles Turner played really well under him. Like guys just like he seems to get the most out of his players and he does such a great job with developing them that when they fired him last year, I thought it was one of the most egregious moves made last year. Like it made no sense to me that uh, the Pacers fired him. Um, obviously, Nate McMillan joined onto the Hawks staff during the offseason. And he's right now taking the job as the interim head coach. And I have to assume that he's going to do a good job and that he's going to, um, he's probably going to end up taking over this role. And I can see the Hawks who currently, you know, are 14 and 20 on their 11th in the Eastern conference. I can see them going in and, with McMillan at the helm, really turning their season around. And this is no disrespect to Lloyd Pierce, because Lloyd Pierce, weird situation. It, I want to say Lloyd Pierce is a pretty decent head coach. I don't know if he's a good one. Um, but, you know, like, it's, it's, a little, it's a little hard to properly assess, especially with everything that we've had going on in the world the last year and a half or so um, and how that's affected sports with COVID and everything. It's, it's, it's a little tough to assess, but Lloyd Pierce, I don't think is a bad head coach, but like I said, I just don't think he was the guy. I think Nate McMillan is that. And so I'm super happy that he's getting this opportunity. Um, I hope Lloyd Pierce is able to fall on his feet somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I mean the Hawks the Hawks were struggling with Lloyd Pierce. So let's just be completely honest. Like I said, they started off 10 and 9. Everything's in honky dory. And then what? They lost uh 109 to 99 to the Miami Heat on Sunday and that was the 11th loss this season where they had a fourth quarter lead. 11th loss. 11th loss this season where you have a lead in the fourth quarter and you go on to to blow it. So I get the move. 
you know, I get the move. I wish it would have been done in a more professional manner. I wish it would have been done in a better manner. Um, but like I said, that's just kind of the way that everything, it's just kind of the way that everything goes. And like I said, you know, there was no indication that this was going to come, uh, at least from Lloyd Pierce's, uh, account. He didn't really think that, you know, this was something that was going to happen. Just kind of happened, you know, it just kind of popped up. So, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. Um, but like I said, I think Lloyd will, will land on his feet moving forward. He'll find somewhere, whether it's another head coaching job or being a part of someone else's staff, I think he'll do pretty well. Um, and then for the Hawks, you know, I think this is a, I think this is a nice, nice refresher for the Hawks. I think having Nate McMillan there is super, is, is amazing for them. Um, they haven't made the playoffs since 2017. They have a real shot of doing it this year if they can get things together with the talent that they have on that team. Granted, there are some guys who haven't played all that great. Um, but I mean, just look at this. Like, just look at the names that are on this team. You have Trey Young, you have uh, John Collins, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, you have Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, uh, Chris Dunn. They traded for Clint Capella a couple years ago. Like, this team is talented enough where they should be, in all honesty, they should be one of the top five or six teams in the Eastern Conference. When I think about when I think about the other teams in the, in the conference and I think about how talented this Atlanta Hawks team is, they are underachieving right now. So I get the move. Like I said, wish it would have gone, wish they would have gone about it in a different way. But like I said, I get it. I, I get it. But um, speaking of, I spoke about Victor Oladipo really briefly um, when I was talking about Nate McMillan's time in Indiana. Nate McMillan actually, uh, I mean, Nate McMillan, Victor Oladipo actually turned down um, an offer from the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets were kind, I believe, uh, trying to give him a two year, uh, two year deal uh, to stay in Houston. He turned that down. So it's apparently uh, looking like Victor Oladipo is going to hit the free agent market. And if that is the case, I'm going to be very interested to see where he chooses to go. Uh, I think it'll be, he will be a highly coveted player. Um, he's going to get a ton of calls, all of that stuff. So something to keep your eye on this free agency class just got a little bit more interesting. Uh, seems like Victor Oladipo will be entering that class. Um, but we'll see a couple other things in the NBA before we get out of here. Um, I want to talk about the Pelicans and specifically Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson, man. I have to give credit where credit is due. Zion is on fire. <laughs> I mean, he's leading the league in points in the po uh, points in the paint with like 20 points a game. He is passing the ball well. You see they're starting to let him be the ball handler um, a lot more. As of recently, Brandon Ingram is having another pretty good year. The Pelicans, man, they're playing well right now. They're, they're starting to get into their groove, and it's pretty nice. You know, the Pelicans have some really impressive wins um, this season, and really recently, you know, like – they just the other night they beat Utah, which Utah looks like the best team in the league right now. Utah was what twenty eight and seven going into this game, or twenty eight and six heading into this game. Um, 
they were able to beat them 129 to 124. I mean, Zion Williamson absolutely took over in the third quarter in that game. And just, it was like, it's, it's been really great watching Zion this game. Um, or watching Zion not that game and just what he's been doing recently. I mean, he scored 15 of his 26 points that night in the third quarter. Um, and the Pelicans, man, like I said, they're, it's, they're, it seems like they're starting to get the groove back, right? One of the things, like I, I talked about this team before and why one of the things that I kind of looked at them and I was just like, there's no real leaders on this team. Um, I'm not a huge uh, Stan Van Gundy fan as far as him being a head coach. Um, but this team really, really played well. Like this game against the Jazz was really an eye opener for me. Um, I like that they didn't rely on the three pointer. Like they didn't like this team shoots a pretty decent amount of threes with Brandon Ingram. You got JJ Redick, Zion will take a couple of game. Lonzo will take a couple of game. Like this team shoots a fair amount of threes. They only shot 11 threes this game. A little side note. 11 attempts were the fewest in the game by a winning team over the last four seasons. And they did it against the best team in the NBA right now in Utah. I mean, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, you know, like I said, the Pelicans have wins over Utah. They've beaten Milwaukee. They've beaten Phoenix. They had a 24 point comeback, um, against Boston but it's just it's it's if they can get consistent this team can be scary cuz there's so much offensive firepower in New Orleans right now there's so much offensive firepower if they can play more consistently and if Zion can stay healthy and that's one of the things too is that it seems like Zion is starting to trust his body a little bit more it seems like the Pelicans are starting to trust his body more um but like I said I like that they've given him a little bit more of the ball handling um, responsibilities, seeing him kind of run the offense at times, it's worked really well. Because I mean, you can't you you have to keep your eyes on the guy at all times. Because if you don't, he's just going to jump over you, and it's going to be alley oop every time. Two points, you can put it on the board. Um, he has one of the best field goal percentages because of that. By the way, like he he shoots the ball at a pretty efficient clip. Um, he's a good enough passer where he can get out of trouble and he can make really nice passes. He has a good enough handle where he can get his own shot kind of um, in certain situations. He can get to the rim. Zion is playing really well. That's all. That's really what this is. That's what this comes down to. Is Zion is playing really, really great basketball right now. Um, and the Pelicans are benefiting from it. Next up, moving on from the Pelicans, um, Oh, quick side note, the Spurs have become the uh, latest team in the NBA to OK fans in the arena. So the Spurs, uh, if you want to go see a game in San Antonio, you can go. Uh, I'm pretty sure our tickets will be pretty expensive, but uh, the Spurs will be letting in a limited amount of attendance. Not a lot, not, not going to be everybody, but they'll be letting some guys in and things like that. So shout out to the Spurs for doing that, I guess. I guess <laughs> I understand. I mean, I understand the move. Um, going from one team that's playing well to two teams that have been struggling recently, I won't spend too much time on the Lakers because I talked about them last time. Obviously, they're without Anthony Davis. Um, they're without Dennis Schroeder. Um, well, Dennis Schroeder came back 
on Sunday when they played the Warriors and absolutely and they absolutely demolished the Warriors. Um, absolutely, I mean they just ran roughshod over the Warriors this last game. But like I said, I'm, I'm I don't want to spend too much time on the Lakers because I spoke about them um, last week. Um, and my assessment of the Lakers is still the same. They are an extremely top-heavy team, and without Anthony Davis, this team has no shot of winning a championship. Point blank, period. That's that's what I see when I look at the Lakers. I think they're a good team, but without Anthony Davis, they have no shot of beating anybody. I won't say anybody, but they have no shot of winning a championship. Like Their championship aspirations truly lie in the hands of Anthony Davis. If Anthony Davis can stay healthy and he's going to be there for the playoffs, this team should win the finals this year. They should. If Anthony Davis is injured or if he's not available or if something like that happens, their championship hopes, I mean, it's it's absolutely snuffed out. I've seen this team just... It's like offensively, I think... With Dennis Schroeder, I think offensively they'd be fine. It's the defensive end that takes, I mean, really on both sides of the ball, man. Like, <laughs> I was, I'm trying to give them some credit, but really on both sides of the ball. I mean, Anthony Davis, this is like, but defensively, you've seen them. I feel like with the loss of Anthony Davis when he's injured, it, it kind of highlights them losing uh, Dwight Howard and JaVel McGee in free agency and stuff like that. So we'll see. What happens there? Um, I want to see what the I want to see what the Lakers look like when Anthony Davis gets back. I want to see what Anthony Davis looks like when he gets back. How healthy is he? Um, everything like that. So that's going to be pretty interesting. I want to see how this team looks with him back in the fold. Hoping he gets healthy soon because this Lakers team, when he's on the floor, when he and LeBron are available, this team is great and they're super top heavy. But they're one of the best teams in the league, and I think they will win a championship as long as those two are healthy. Um, moving on from them, though, to a team that I was pretty big on this year um, that I actually kind of kind of was on their bandwagon by saying that I believe they could end up winning the Eastern Conference, and that is the Boston Celtics. Um, I don't... There's, 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 it's so weird in Boston right now because I honestly don't really know, you know, they're sitting at 500 right now and when you look at Boston, now granted, they've dealt with injuries this year too, right? Like Kimball Walker had a knee procedure, had some problems with his knee. Um, Kimball Walker just recently really started to look like himself, um, but this team, for the most part, is led by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like the those are the two stars on this team. Those are the guys that really get things going. Jalen Brown still having a phenomenal year. I've spoken about it. Spoke about it before. He might win Most Improved Player of the Year this year. Jalen Brown has been phenomenal, and then Jason Tatum is doing Jason Tatum things. Uh, basically, willed them to a win the other night um, <clears throat> against the the Wizards. Also, by the way, with the with the Wizards, I saw a stat that Bradley Beal, who scored like 46 points that game against Boston the other night, 
Bradley Beal, this is the 11th straight game where Bradley Beal has scored a 40-point game, has, yeah, has had 40 or more points, and his team has lost, which is an NBA record. <clears throat> 11 straight games. So basically, anytime Bradley Beal scores 40 points or more, just know the Wizards are going to lose is basically what that means. Um, but yeah, so... The Celtics just, they've dealt with injuries. Kimball Walker is kind of trying to get himself back together. The real thing, they're missing Marcus Smart a lot. Um, and Marcus Smart, is he the most talented player on this team? No, not by a long shot. But he is the tone setter on the defensive side. He brings energy. He does all the dirty work. Um, he helps out at the point guard position and things like that. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about what I see out of Boston right now because I just – for the amount of talent that is on this roster, for the amount of experience that they have had going deep into the playoffs, um, you know, obviously they've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, three of the last four seasons. Um, all of that stuff, right? Having a great coach, you know, and Brad Stevens. I heard some people saying, like, oh, Boston's struggling right now. Is Brad Stevens on the hot seat? He better not be. I can tell you that right now. Brad Stevens better not be on the hot seat. Brad Stevens is the best head coach in the league. I love Greg Popovich. Brad Stevens is the best coach in the NBA right now. So his seat better not be hot because if they do, I feel like that would be a grave mistake getting rid of him. Um, but yeah, it's just Boston. It just seems like Boston has been finding ways to lose games this year that this year that they really shouldn't. Um, and it's worrisome. Now, again, like I said, they've dealt with injuries. They've dealt, you know, with some difference in the lineups. But they need to get their stuff together. They need to get it together because what I'm seeing, granted, you know, it's early. You know, we're again, we're not even halfway through the season technically. Or are we at? No, not at the halfway point yet because we're going to play 72 games this season teams have played about 33 34 games so we're almost to the halfway point in the season but and they're a 500 team and they should not be um they've spent the majority of this season outside of the top half of the eastern conference if we're being completely honest so they got to get stuff together they got to figure things out i hope they do i believe they will but i will say that my faith is a little shaken let's say that just a little bit not a lot I still believe in them. I still believe that they're going to be one of the best uh, teams in the Eastern Conference, and I still believe that they have a shot to make it to the finals, maybe even win it. Um, but we'll see. Just putting it out there, I'm a little worried about Boston right now. Little, little bit. Little. Teensy bit. Teensy bit. But that is really all I have for you guys today. Oh, uh, one more thing. It is March, so you know what that means? That is correct. March Madness. March Madness is back. Granted, I will be honest with you guys, I have not covered the NCAA basketball at all this year. Uh, I haven't really college, followed college basketball because I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I'm a Georgia State alumni, so I pay close attention to them. But I also don't want to jinx my teams. I had a really bad experience with that this year. Uh, I felt like I jinxed the Steelers. I felt like I jinxed uh, the Chicago Sky. So I stopped. I didn't want to <laughs> throw too much uh, attention to Georgia State. 
Um, shout out Panthers, light it blue. Um, but I haven't really talked about them. And then, of course, my other team in college basketball, as far as the team that I actually chose to be a fan of, was Duke. And I'll just be completely honest, we kind of suck this year. So haven't been paying too much close attention to uh, the college basketball this year just because it's been a lot of disappointment uh, on the Duke side. And then, like I said, not wanting to uh, jinx uh, the Georgia State Panthers. But March Madness is here. It's coming. Uh, shout out to Loyola Chicago. They're going to be back in the tournament this year after they had their, you know, back in 2018, they had their Cinderella story run where they made it to the Final Four, and that was just absolutely incredible. Uh, they're going to be back um, in the tourney this year, which is really cool. Um, I believe the brackets, like, I believe the brackets and everything are starting to come out now. The Illinois fighting, the Illinois fighting, uh, excuse me, the Illinois Fighting Illini uh, became the fifth Big Team 10 to hold down a number one seed, so shout out to them for that. Uh, good things popping off, but I will say this. I will I, Now that we are in March Madness, we will be getting a lot more men's, our, our college basketball um, coverage. Like I said, I just, it's been rough for me in the college basketball department, so, but we will be getting a whole bunch more of that moving forward, keeping up with the brackets. I'm going to make a couple brackets. You guys should make some too, just because it's fun. Um, and this is going to be the first time where I think I've made a bracket where like, I really just have no idea what's been going on. Cause I have not paid a whole bunch of attention um, to college basketball this year, but it's going to be fun as always. March madness is back, which is great. You know, granted like losing it last year really did suck. I understand why we didn't have a tournament last year. And I was not mad at it. Having it back this year is going to be pretty fun. Um, so I can't wait. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is all we have for you today. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend to tell a friend, like it, share it, all that good stuff. Spread the word, spread the good word, the gospel, some might say. Um, and if you didn't like this episode, eh, just act like it didn't happen. <laughs> um, and as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there, make some new haters. I'll see you all Friday. I mean it this time, by the way. Like, I will see you all Friday. I promise. We have an episode coming out Friday. I have nothing to do Friday. I'm going to be completely available. You all will get your episode, okay? So you don't have to DM me. You don't have to snap on me. You will get an episode Friday. I promise, okay? Scout's honor. I was never a scout, so that doesn't mean anything. But whatever. You get the point. I'll see you Friday.